Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this episode is one of our deep dives. We are going to dive deep into the novel, Queen's Hope. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsuck, and that sound you hear is post-it notes in a book. Oh, we got a lot to talk about here in this book. The third in the Padme trilogy, if you will, from E.K. Johnson. It is the third in the trilogy, and boy, I love your foley. It sounded like maybe there was a rainstorm in the jungle, and maybe Jurassic Park was going to happen. I love it. Love it. 
Great stuff. Uh, we want to let you know, as always, that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we are recommending the book we're about to talk about, Queen's Hope by E.K. Johnston. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, you can pause this very recording and then go get the audiobook and come right back to download your free audiobook today you can go to audibletrial.com slash force center one more time audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook uh we only have one more bit of business before we can really start talking ken and that is our patented uh spoiler warning awooga awooga i don't know if you have any uh foley for spoiler warnings but <laughs> awooga much better i love thinking that that imperial alert is like oh no (laughs) grand moff tarkin is going to spoil the end of your favorite hollow novel very funny to me but uh we we discuss full spoilers uh not just light spoilers we go all the way in so if that's Mm -hmm. not something you want now's the time to get out are you still here okay great let's dive in ken what was your overall reaction to this book? Like you said, it is the third in a trilogy for now of Padme books by E.K. Johnston. Uh, we are on record in our reviews and, and discussion other places of really responding to both of those previous books. So what was your reaction to the third one? Love it, like it, struggle with it. Where'd you go? Well, I'll start with what you just talked about the past. And, and I love how you describe it as you and I responded to those novels. There was a real response as a Star Wars fan, as a Padme fan. I, I really think that's a great way to look at it. And so because of that, I, I carried a lot of expectations and excitement into this book. And at the beginning, started to maybe to be a victim of my own expectations. <laughs> uh, I do believe podcasts are a form of entertainment. Uh, we're always putting on a little bit of a, of, of a show in the sense of we are trying to entertain you through broadcasting. That said, I want to be really authentic here and, and say that, Oh, I get, I bristle a lot when I hear, uh, you know, oh, Ken and Joseph, Jennifer Forsetter, they just, they just love everything at Star Wars. And, uh, you know, I'm, I have a little bit of PTSD from the old shell days at the old uh, Collider show. <laughs> I get really upset. Like, I, even at my birthday party recently, I had, to, I had to pull out a Han Solo finger point. Like, no, no. <laughs> um, and, and the reason I bristle against that is, is that's not what we do here. We engage with these things on a deeper level. We find what is there for us. And sometimes it is a bit of a journey. And, and I think often you you're hearing us on the podcast at the end of that journey going, oh, my God, I love this. Yeah. But this particular book, I want to say I actually at one point uh, had to put the book down uh, because I wasn't connecting with it and I wanted something else, not something more, not something uh, necessarily different. I just wanted something else, something bigger. And, and, and I wanted this book to take me up right to the moment where Padme dies because I got it in my head that that's what was going to happen in this book. <laughs> that's nothing E.K. Johnston said. That's nothing that a press release said specifically. I think I think we talked about Unforced Center and maybe some things might have been inferred or we believe they were. So I, 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 I paused. I, I, I had some time. I was reading the book a little bit ahead of our reading schedule and put the book down and reminded myself exactly what you just said, Joseph. I love the first two books. I love what E.K. Johnson did with those books. I love exploring her views on this character she grew up with and those around the character. And I went back to it and found a lot more things in the book for me to connect to. And at the end of the day, I think this is a wonderful conclusion to this story. It keeps in the style uh, of E.K. Johnston's approach to this story. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, plot or pacing, those kind of things that come up in reviews. Yeah, some of that might be there, 
But man, there's a lot for me and there's a lot for Star Wars fans in this book. And so that's kind of where I ended up on the overall picture. No, uh, that is a really great and insightful journey uh, that that you took me on, uh, and hopefully the listeners as well. Including, man, can I picture the uh, the Han Solo finger uh, above your fire pit? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, t- totally understandable. I think you probably uh, saved me from wrestling with expectations. I don't remember what the exact blurb was, but when the book was announced, I think we discussed on the podcast as we always do. Wow, this could be a thing that does happen. That it, it, if even if it starts at the beginning of the Clone Wars, uh, it could maybe go through to the end of the Clone Wars. Uh, I think that was in our heads because the previous book, Queen's Peril, had had a lot of stuff that that was leading up to the Phantom Menace, and then did this really interesting job of weaving in and out of the known moments mm-hmm. of uh, Phantom Menace. So it wasn't, you know absolutely absurd to think that but this is a perfect example of what we mean when we talk about speculate responsibly is we want to make sure that we're we're responding to what the story the book the television show actually is instead of it didn't do the thing i expected it to <laughs> mm-hmm. therefore i don't like it you can still not like it all, all we uh, uh advocate for is engage with the thing as it is and yeah is always if when you're done engaging with it is you're like yeah no i don't like it or i have these criticisms Mm -hmm. (laughs) or i even prefer the version i imagine that's fine just you know don't want to lose out on on really interacting with what the thing is and it sounds like that's the journey that you went on um you saved me from that i didn't expect it to go into uh revenge of the sith uh i sat down and i read it over the course of several hours in basically one sitting i stood Mm -hmm. up (laughs) to refresh my drink and that was about it because i was utterly utterly hooked i really love this one might be my favorite i think Mm -hmm. that all three of these novels are really they really focus on character uh they really focus on sort of moments and the state of the galaxy and who is trying to accomplish what and why for me i've always thought it was fascinating that they're they're pretty light on plot they're not Mm -hmm. it's not about plot it puts character and kind of motivations uh, it first. And with all three of these done, uh, I really felt like this is a trilogy about Padme becoming. Uh, there's a, the first book is about her becoming a senator. What does that mean for her? Why does she do it? Uh, the second book goes back in time, and it's about her becoming a queen and mm-hmm. building a relationship with the handmaidens. And I thought this one is really about her becoming both a wife and becoming the Padme that kind of lives in our imagination or, or affects the rest of the galaxy. This is about her becoming a wife and becoming a symbol of hope. And I think when, when I interact with the book that way, not going like, what revelations are there for me? What, uh, what you know, big plot, what secrets from Revenge of the Sith, you know, uh, I really enjoy it more. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a, a couple other big picture things uh, to get out of the way is... One of the things that just hooked me about this and made me want to like <laughs> cradle the book to my chest and go, thank you, is all of these books have been honoring the prequels, honoring the perspective mm-hmm. of this is tip of the iceberg storytelling. In Phantom Menace, we don't get to spend much time of why is a, a 14-year-old queen? And it's cool that she has handmaidens who are uh, decoys, assassins, loyal bodyguards. But damn, that's a cool idea. Let's explore that more. Mm-hmm. All of them have had that approach. This one felt like it could be called Queen's Hope, colon, respecting attack of the clones. <laughs> uh, 
yes. there was so much yes. in this book that took moments from Attack the Clone and and went deeper and made them real. How Padme felt about her wounds, how she felt about yeah. Nuke Gunray watching her get sliced by a beast while he tries to yeah. have her killed. Uh, Bale wrestling with the political fallout of someone was going to suggest that the Chancellor get supreme powers. Really sucks that it was somebody from our loyalist party. That's going to put mm-hmm. me back on my heels politically. Uh, mm-hmm. Anakin getting used to his new hand. Uh, you know, mm-hmm people's Jedi trauma from Geonosis, on and on and on. It was taking these beats from Attack of the Clones and giving them, uh, you know, life and perspective in, in such a great way that there isn't room for in a film that's what makes these books so, uh, cel- that I celebrate in these books. I applaud you on, on a couple things there, all those things, but some things that jumped out. I, I think Becoming Padme uh, is is a great title of both like a Discovery Plus documentary or a Disney <laughs> Plus uh, making of doc, but also a lot of what's going on in the series, but particularly in this book, you, uh, you becoming a symbol of hope, becoming a wife, and just becoming Padme. How many times in this book is she kind of like, wow, I'm finally doing something for Padme, right? That that, that mm-hmm. comes to theme. Good for, for better or worse, good or bad. That's what's in there. Love that. Uh, and then and this book spends a lot of time with Sabe, as the others do. And I think maybe you and I were having a discussion off air where I was like, I, we are spending a lot of time with Sabe. I think I wanted more with Padme. But then when the, when the, when I closed the, the, the book, the final page, I think I learned a lot more about Padme because we do get to see her at this point through other people's eyes. And I think that was important. Plus, it does honor its active clones in a way I hadn't thought about. Uh, you mentioned some moments that are, are pretty direct in the book. I'm telling you, 20 years on from this film, I never stopped. I'm embarrassed to say, never stopped to think that Padme would have scars from that attack. Yeah. Never thought about it. Never thought about it. It's a, it's a you know, the, 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 the accidental and intentional halter top moment, which is, 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 should be debated and maybe doesn't stand up uh, 20 years later. Everything about it, it's, uh, you know, plus just Padme in action. I just never stopped to think that she would have scars for the rest of her life from that. And this book was like, yeah, yeah, I'll think about that for you. Yeah, yeah, it's like big deal stuff that affects the characters, that there's, that's what's so interesting about this moment of all of these things. And, you know, they they don't uh, back off from uh, what Padme and Anakin and everybody else has been experiencing. There's so many great little moments about, well, what's it going to mean for Jedi to be at war? Who who feels mm-hmm. what about the clones? Like, yeah, all I yeah. loved all that stuff. Um, other like real big picture thing I want to highlight, we'll spend some time talking about it, but I was really grabbed that this starts with, um, uh, with Shmi. And then there are all these interstitials that are really about honoring the, the women characters, the, the, the maternal characters and specifically giving them perspective and giving them agency. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. this, uh, those interstitials are all connected by, it, it is a story of, uh, giving the space bombs defining moments uh, giving them agency for for all the talk that that happens in in Star Wars discussions about lore and canon. This these were some of the biggest swings that I've read in a book in a long time. Right, mm. making it very clear that Shmi sensed in the stars in the Force the opportunity for Anakin and said yes to it because she mm-hmm. wanted it. The idea that Beru uh, is not just <laughs> Owen's girlfriend, uh, mm. but has perspective and agency it's huge the idea that Baru felt very active and wanted to take risks to make a difference that is huge that's Luke's mom you know one of Luke's moms (laughs) but that's the mom who actively raised him right that's huge massive stuff 
Yeah, uh, actually, you know, this is funny. Uh, uh, apologies. We're going to extend this uh, overall picture discussion a little longer, Joseph, because I had a section of my notes that I literally kept copying and pasting into different sections because like, ah, maybe it fits <laughs> here, maybe it fits here. You just kind of transition nicely into you know, what what E.K. Johnston is is doing and, and, and the perspective. Um, these interstitials, we're going to talk about more. They, are, I think they're very important and they're very interesting and they're very um, uh, deep, poignant, and fun. All, all the things we love about Star Wars. But I love that even in the dedication, uh, E.K. is is telling us uh, about the power of all these characters, who they know they are, and how they are often alone and maybe feel alone, but they aren't. She uses a song lyric from uh, an Ava Max song called Kings and Queens. And the lyric in the dedication is to all the queens that are fighting alone. Baby, you're not dancing on your own. Check out the song. Check out the lyrics. It's without a doubt... Uh, very much relates to this entire book. And it just made me think as I went back and studied that dedication before the story even starts and, and, and uh, uh, tracing it through the, the interstitials here, I personally think of all the Star Wars fans who kind of found themselves less represented in the stories or found themselves being told you're not supposed to like this. Just think of, you know, there's so many Star Wars fans who grew up or, or, or fell in love in the franchise uh, feeling like they were alone. You and I, Joseph, mm-hmm. didn't have that problem. Um, that this uh, was a story that, was not supposed to be for them. Uh, this was uh, also, uh, EK, I've never spoken to E.K. Johnston, and, and so it's dangerous to assume, but she grew up as a girl loving Star Wars when that was still treated like a myth. And, and, and she did that, and she fell in love with Star Wars in, in an era of films in which we were all told to hate. And she never let that dampen her fandom, even though she probably felt alone. So to take these four characters and write about them in these little two-page little interstitials um, and having it kind of connect to the larger story and how these characters might have felt they're alone. Those fans, that fan base, E.K. Johnston might have felt that she was alone, but that was never not true. And this story uh, is for them. And they, uh, they as fans and, and as characters never alone that absolutely just rings throughout rings true throughout this book i think i really think it does i think that's really really powerful i think uh you know when you're when you're looking at any story for for the kind of the keys to unlock uh you know what what the author or the creator might be trying to say you know there's the the primacy and the recency how does it begin and how does it end uh but also like yeah the the dedication is you know can be like uh just a personal thing of like hey thanks bob <laughs> mm-hmm. but like this it can be a i'm i'm giving you some some help getting into you know what lens to look through this i think we should add a section to all of our reviews where i double check to see if you have any dj insights <laughs> <laughs> well look i i, I it's so funny i, I i'm not I, yes i'm a music fan and everyone check out pop rock and radio blah 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 no i i i, I was writing on that dedication and 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 going through my notes and it's like that's really interesting it, it sounds like a rhyme sounds like a poem so i just copy and paste it in and ava max is is a kind of a pop artist uh, out of uh, wisconsin uh, this song, Heaven and Hell, is the album it's from, released in 2020. So it's, it's recent, and and uh, it's it's dance pop. It's not necessarily everything love. I am seeing Lady Gaga in September. Ava Max has that kind of vibe. So I'm not saying I won't absolutely celebrate and explore uh, the catalog here. I just, it, 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 was, it was weird. It, it called out. The force was calling to me here. I'm just like, uh, look at this. Like, this has meaning, and this song probably played over and over. Uh, this is some great lyrics in here about no damsel in distress, don't need to save me. Once I start breathing fire, you can't tame me. All these kind of things that just kind of mm. make you think of all these characters. But again, this idea um, that every one of these characters, 
and any one of those fans that try to connect to them, uh, and there's others examples of, of, of uh, uh, people in here that might feel alone, but they're not. And that's also a big Star Wars thing. That's a big Star Wars story. There's more of us, Poe. There's more of us. I love that. I love when it shows up. And these books, again, I don't know E.K. Johnston. Uh, I just know that this is someone who is like, I love this character. I dreamed of these stories, and I probably felt I was the only one. And now that unique uh, uh, journey becomes so shared because she gets to share it with the world. I thought uh, it was just real powerful stuff here. So anyways, I, I'll, I didn't want to take too much credit. Like I knew the song in the back of my head, <laughs> but it might be on a mixtape now. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to the the mixtape, and I love what you're saying. I think we'll be able to dive into that uh, even more. Final, a big picture thing for me that I want to say quickly is we always uh, talk about the sort of relationship b- between Star Wars and politics or real-life politics and how different people feel about it. And, you know, we often try to stay away from uh, real-life politics just because sometimes people come to a Star Wars podcast uh, for some amount of escapism. But within that, I feel strongly that Star Wars is very political. I think Padme herself is extremely political. Uh, you can choose to not engage with them or dislike it, um, but several episodes of the Clone Wars animated series is Padme simply putting out a progressive <laughs> uh, <laughs> policy for the galaxy that pretty much matches the real world. Um, Padme yeah. is blatantly political. Star Wars is blatantly uh, political. Again, as always, respect if people don't want to spend all of their Star Wars time engaging with that. You know, it, Greedo's design is cool. That's fine. <laughs> That's not political. Yeah. But yeah. the the kind of the ultimate heart and soul is. Uh, to me. And I think that's one of the things about this book that I just want to acknowledge at the top in the trilogy is that it's blatantly uh, political Um, Mm -hmm. because it's Padme um, because it's set in, in the time where Palpatine is manipulating the politics of the galaxy. And because the Nemodians have always been political Lucas named Mm -hmm. them after real uh, politicians with Newt Gunray and Mm -hmm. Lot Dodd and uh, the last book, um, uh, E.K. Johnston named uh, one of the uh, the Nemodians after Susan Collins, Usain mm-hmm. Allen. Uh, so when this different Nemodian character popped up with the name Oj Bedin, <laughs> fairly fairly clear that's that's Joe Biden. Uh, yeah. So I think that's just one thing to. I don't, I don't think we're going to necessarily spend a huge amount of time talking about it, but it, for me, it's it's a it's an important part of what these books are is that they are uh, blatantly. Pl- yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Enough said on. Yeah, well, not enough said on it. We're gonna talk about it a lot more. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if this is not the freeway when you want to be riding on, uh, we understand if you want to take the next off ramp. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into the big themes and ideas. Unless, uh, did you have any other uh, overall thoughts, Ken? Uh, no, we're, we're an hour two of Ken's overall thoughts on song lyrics. No, uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. We'll dive into this uh, for our novel reviews. I often uh, write up kind of what I'm feeling and then uh, Ken and I discuss it and see if anything else uh, emerges like the great uh, revelation from those those lyrics. Uh, the first thing we're going to is this big theme, this big idea about the power of choice, the power of agency, how Im- important that is uh, to individuals, to characters in this book. Uh, one of the main conflicts of this book is Padme actively choosing to marry Anakin and what that will mean for her life. Uh, I think that's kind of the main thrust of Padme made this big, big, very different for her choice. And now she is uh, working through all of the ramifications. A lot of the actual plot of the book is about freeing enslaved people, uh, which is by definition giving choice and agency back to people. 
Uh, and then this is where we really wanted to get into those uh, interstitial vignettes, right? They're they're structured around uh, women characters who have not always got a lot of focus or screen time or other stories, but are absolutely central to the Skywalker saga, right? Mm-hmm. And in each of these interstitials, the, the woman is making an active choice. The whole book starts off with uh, Shmi senses the galaxy, the force offering her Anakin, and she accepts. And that is, to me, a big deal. It tells you a lot about mm-hmm. what, what the book is going to be about. I, I just wanted to write down uh, the passage. Uh, it, it says, um, she was being offered a chance for joy, a chance to belong to someone because she chose to, not because she was stolen, a chance to have someone who would look up at her and feel love, something worth fighting for. Shmi Skywalker held out her hands to the stars and said, yes. So very much about choice. And then in the next interstitial, we learn that Baru Whiteson chose to defy the ways of Tatooine and help start a network to free slaves. We learn she actively was the one who, who brought Shmi and Klieg Lars together, took down Watto, a bunch of other great stuff. Uh, and then we hear a story uh, from Padme when she was nine. She's accompanying her father on a mercy mission, but all the refugees die. And this is an understandable moment where somebody would go, that's the way the galaxy is. It's awful. And it really focuses on Padme chooses hope that she chooses to keep striving to make a difference with full knowledge of how, how it can go wrong, how hope doesn't always solve everything. She chooses is the last sentence says uh, Padme Nibiri got out of bed every single morning and tried again. Mm-hmm. And then the final interstitial that actually closes the book is with a uh, Brea Organa emphasizing that she didn't just become the queen of Alderaan out of a birthright. You know, it wasn't handed to it. her. She worked for it. She chose it. And then she shaped Alderaan. And ultimately, she built a world uh, that, uh, to quote the book, uh, says, in doing so, she laid the foundation for someone who would be even more, which, of course, ends the book on this idea of hope of here are all these maternal characters in the Skywalker saga and segueing to the next generation of maternal figures in Leia. Mm, mm, mm. So uh, mm. any general thoughts on, on that uh, b- before we dive into more specific questions? Yeah, I, I think just first as a Star Wars fan, uh, talking about these uh, interludes here, just talking about them alone, just as someone who lived with these characters uh, and just kind of knew they existed, celebrated them, and, 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 you know, again, just kind of knew of them, right? As trivia answers or as characters I've watched on the screen, I just knowing that these characters had, had not always been explored and allowed to, to flourish. I love that just on a simple level it elevates all of them. Uh, and again, going to some of the stuff I was saying up top, I think it's just really powerful to experience someone else's perspective on these characters who probably spent their entire fandom fandom knowing there was more when I just kind of wondered if there was more shrugged and went on with my fandom. <laughs> uh, so it's great to see that. But uh, you, you touched on it earlier. You know, there's some, Great reveals, canon reveals, wonderful stuff. Uh, I think that line between what is plot and what is story is sometimes confused, right? You and I have had some mm. of those discussions. Uh, so I think there's some great little details, plot details for the overall stories. I think I, I, I'm, I'm trying not to be a dramatic, <laughs> dramatic podcaster, Joseph. <laughs> it is vitally important to the Star Wars story that Shmi didn't just wake up one day pregnant and shrug and say, well, I guess this has happened. Yep. The Skywalker saga, the thing that brings so many of us to the table, began with the Force reaching out, offering a path, a destiny, if you will. And this is the journey of an unheralded hero. And Shmi said, yes, I choose this. 
That is vitally important to everything we discuss in Star Wars, the center of it. And yes, there's thousands of years of history before this and other eras and characters to learn and discover. But the center of the Star Wars stories begins with a powerful choice. That is vital. Yeah, a powerful choice. And it paints a great picture of all the characters, but Shmi in particular, of like if there is anyone in the galaxy who has reason to be filled with anger and give up and mm-hmm. close off and repeat <laughs> The, the, the cycles of cycles, anger yeah. and domination and control. Here's a woman who has every reason to do that and she chooses something else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's vital to Star Wars. Yeah, and, and the other ones are great too. And adding depth to Baru is just on a surface level is great. That story, I believe, we'll get to the canon connections. That's kind of a Attack the Clones deleted scene reference, right? With Padme and the mission with their father. I think there's, I did not get a chance to watch those scenes, but I think that's a connection yeah. there. And there's just more with Breha Organa, which character we, we definitely want more. We'll talk about it. I just, yeah, it all worked for me. And just, and you can celebrate that as a Star Wars fan. It's like, oh, I now know more chapters in the Wikipedia entry. Uh, but uh, it's just as, as someone who loves this franchise, it really just elevated all these characters uh, to where they belong. A very important place. Yeah, no, totally agreed. Totally agreed. And and pulling out a, a little bit to just kind of this big idea of agency and active choice, uh, not just with these uh, interludes, uh, but with the the big picture story of of mm-hmm. Padme's choice to marry Anakin, all that kind of stuff. What is the power of telling stories of agency and, and active choice to you? I, and the I, power of it in this story, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it it, um, it helps under, it helps me understand some of the characters, some of the actions, some of the things that that happen. It it, it makes the journeys. Um, it, it goes to this idea we, we we've been talking about for years here. But the reason I reference this is because it's something I think I've learned along the way. Of when you hear this this thing of destiny, man, that just seems so predetermined, right? And that's just so not true in real life. It's so not true in these stories. And so to have these characters continue to choose their path forward, to come to choice, and sometimes it might be bad choices, and then we can learn from that. I just think it really makes it all more interesting. And it's just. Um, this is a morality tale. Every Star Wars story is part of that larger morality tale. So it just adds to that. It just drives a lot of the, the action home for me and the choices home. Yeah, I, I think for me, it's important always because I think agency is what we all crave as humans. I think even when we can mm-hmm. kind of um, become selfish or greedy, a lot of times when we're grabbing power, what does power translate to? Well, the ability to make your own choices, to do what yeah. you want, right? Uh, to, to chase fulfillment um, and not be blocked not have things block your fulfillment. So I think we all really crave as humans to not just be swept up in the story, but to be active participants, which is that, that whole great, you know, destiny versus choice question. And mm-hmm. so many things like you were saying in star Wars are, are, are stories of destiny and the bad guys often make it sound like you don't have a choice, right. To hear mm-hmm. Vader or uh, Palpatine yep. or uh, Kylo, when he is still being consumed by the dark side, they present destiny as, you don't have a choice. It's already been made for you. It's in your genes. You, yeah. you don't have the power to change it. It's, it's just going to happen. And then when the heroes encounter destiny and, and choose to face it, it's because there's a problem they can't get past. Luke Skywalker's, or, or you know, Luke Skywalker says, Darth Vader's my dad. I got to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And that is act, being active within your, your, your destiny. So I think it is such a Star Wars thing. Um, and I think for this particular story, you know, Padme's choice to marry Anakin, or I guess you could say Anakin and Padme's choice to marry one another mm-hmm. <laughs> is uh, one of the most significant choices in Star Wars. So it really deserves more focus from both sides. And I mm-hmm. think there's 
uh, so much discussion for, well, why does Anakin do it? Well, because he's uh, compassionate, because he has always longed for uh, connection, because maybe he's been kind of infatuated with Padme since childhood, that he loves her as an individual, but she represents all of these things, comfort and home and belonging. So talk a lot about it from Anakin's perspective and and people often wonder about it or discuss it from Padme's perspective. I know a lot of fans have strong opinions about it, but, you know, coming out of Attack with Clones in 2002, like, you know, there's always been debate about why does she make that choice? And I love that this book spends time with, this is a choice that she made for herself because she truly was uh, attracted to Anakin on multiple levels and wanted this for herself. She's always been a character who puts the bigger picture and duty first, which we'll talk about, but the idea that this was a personal choice. And what I really got out of that for the big, big story of Star Wars is that Padme's choice to love Anakin and to marry Anakin is, um, I guess, for my opinion, the total opinion analysis thing is... They could have found a way to make that work. The line probably doesn't work. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, we deal with that with Padme thinking, oh, the, the war's going to wrap up quick and, and we'll deal with this. We'll have a family eventually, all that. You know, yeah. line's yeah. not great. Uh, but it makes me not want to conflate Anakin's choices uh, mm-hmm. to be greedy and possessive and fearful to not conflate that with their choice to be married. Padme chose to marry a person she loves. Anakin chose to make that relationship all about himself in ways that were unhealthy. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Two um, distinct choices mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. It, it is my opinion and analysis. No. And I, I love, uh, and it's here, here's the thing too, going back to what I was saying up top uh, about, I started to re- realize probably early on, um, especially as we're spending a lot of time with Sabe, which by the way, I love the character of Sabe. So I don't, I, I don't know why even I was disappointed. Well, uh, more time with Sabe. She's great. Uh, Tanra's great. Like, I, I, I was like, I want to know. I want to know from Padme uh, directly, almost on the deathbed of, of all the choices. Please explain. <laughs> show your work. And, and I knew I wasn't going to get that. And instead, once I kind of re- released myself from that, there's so many ways you learn about that decision, so many ways that it starts to make sense and doesn't mean, you. yeah, you're right. You can't question some of the actions, question some of um, maybe even the execution of, of, of the scenes in, in Revenge of Sith, whatever you want to do there, but uh, also a- Anakin and what he did wrong and the choice goes back to the choice. So yeah, I, 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 um, we'll get to it when we talk about some of the other scenes, but I love, I love what you're saying. I love what the book was uh, providing insight into, uh, into Padme's heart, soul, and mind and Anakin's too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we talked about this a little bit, but want to make sure uh, that you, you don't have a, a further thoughts. Um, with the focus on Shmi, Abru, Padme, and Brea, that's really great because they're essential to the Skywalker saga and they're interesting characters in their own right. Uh, but they are the maternal figures of the Skywalker saga. And, mm. you know, Leia as well, and she is being referenced as, as the future. What do you think is important about focusing uh, not just on these great underserved characters in Star Wars, but focusing on the idea of maternal figures? Great question, sir. I meditated over this, uh, over coffee. Over this, not here. <laughs> and going on perhaps maybe by some traditional definitions of, of maternal figures there. Uh, and, and you mentioned earlier becoming Padme, becoming a symbol of hope. What do we always describe Padme as here at Force Centers? This the steadfast character of which Leia becomes that as well. Again, the future. Uh, Padme is a steadfast character holding uh, to the, to the, holding to hope, holding on to those ideals. Um, 
you could almost call her a, a, a spine of so many other key beliefs that make up Star Wars, that form Star Wars. So therefore, what you're talking about, I, I went to the, I wrote down the idea of this is kind of, we're talking about four characters who help build the soul of Star Wars. I would consider them guiding lights, uh, beacons to light the way home, if you will, uh, pillars and anchors and foundations, great characters in their own right. And hopefully we get more storytelling to explore their, them as characters. Um, but they selflessly lead the way for others. I've often talked about, I don't even know if I'm 100% right, but I just love, I love that even at the end, as as, as Darth Vader watches his son uh, be electrocuted by his boss, um, <laughs> I really do believe, I, I, I really do, I, I'll point a finger at a fire pit if you disagree, that what he has experienced in that moment is what Shmi built into him early on and how she raised him, how he was. Uh, and, and, and so therefore I think, it, you know, I love focusing on what I consider the soul of all of this. Um, and that's kind of what, uh, you know, traditional maternal figures might be not to take anything away from paternal figures anything like that, <laughs> or any other kind of figures to be clear. Um, but I think these four characters provide that for the story. Just my take on it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, I really agree with that. I think that great insights. And in, I think, you know, it's important to be there to just balance, uh, the storytelling that we've had in Star Wars uh, that I think there's a lot that's just it's about parents, but then there can be a real focus on the father child relationship because mm-hmm. Luke Vader is just one of the defining moments uh, of Star Wars. Right. Um, and pop even culture. now, yeah. pop culture. Right. You know, uh, and even now with the absolutely great story of Din Djarin and Grogu, it, mm-hmm. it is another um, mm-hmm. father son relationship and and for me i think some things are kind of uh transcend gender and they're about parents uh, it's yeah. just my personal take uh, mm-hmm. but i also think that this story presenting all of these maternal figures is valuable because the maternal figures are are presented as multifaceted right mm-hmm. um these characters are all making choices for themselves because of what they want uh they're they're strong characters who take risks, but then they're almost all very, all the choices these characters make are almost all empathetic in uh, Mm -hmm. choices that help others or nurture others. So they're not solely defined in this kind of uh, very in the box way of maternal is nurturing. That is one element of what these characters are. Um, But then we also see these characters as having, personal needs and wants of their own and i think that's a great maternal story and i think it's a great story of star wars that that star wars often is concerned with uh who do you want to be as an individual and then once you figure out who you are i think star wars advocates one of the things you should try to do is in b is someone who helps others and, and these characters are just like uh kind of icons yeah. <laughs> of that kind of balance of i find what i need but a part of that has to be being there for others and nurturing others. And man, when I hear you, you looking at Vader's helmet and return of the Jedi and thinking of, you know, what Shmi imparted to him, it's not just words, right? It's nurturing. It's the feeling of what it is to be loved. Mm-hmm. No, well said, sir. And, and, and this idea of just like who these characters uh, become, choose to be and are just kind of creates uh, a legacy, right? Mm-hmm. beyond with you know not unintentional but just like they're they're being who they are and just who they are has uh waves of of effect right just just waves coursing out from them that that influence others uh build others and 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 affect the star wars story 
right? Like, yeah, when when next time I watch A New Hope and Bruce says, you know, he, he he's just not a farmer, right? it's going to have so much more great oomph. Like, she knows what that is yeah. to be somebody who says, like, I, I can't mm. just watch. I need yeah. to get involved. So funny. I was <laughs> I was watching that scene the other day. Uh, 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 she looked Fraser. It does such a great job as Brew in that moment. The way she's watching Mark Hamill as Luke, just the way she knows what's coming and she knows what this is about. And you're right. I think there's some depth to this right now. And, and hopefully we get even more Baru to build that out. I'm sure we will. Uh, we're going to move on to one of the other big ideas in the book. And I think it is the the idea that you were talking about in that song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the idea of uh, bringing people together versus driving them apart. Um, I, I feel like that is definitely a theme, but that's also just logistically what is going on in the plot because mm. the, in Star Wars, heroes bring people together and villains, particularly Palpatine, loves driving people apart. Mm. Unless putting them together will isolate them further. Anyway, uh, so there's several plot threads that all come together in this book, but they can kind of be broken down into Palpatine trying to pull people apart and isolate them and almost everyone else trying to form bonds by coming together. Um, mm. So specifically, uh, we see this great ongoing story in literary Star Wars of uh, Panaka just being Palpatine's tool. Mm. <laughs> so uh, Panaka is set up by Palpatine uh, to find to discover the, that there's this old law that makes other planets in the Chamal sector subservient to Naboo. Uh, so this is exactly what Palpatine wants, right? Turn everybody against each other uh, so he can swoop in and go, I, well, I, I, listen to me uh, as the strong man. Uh, but the plot is about uh, how this uh, Nimodian, Oj Bedin, uh, Sache, several other people work together to push past that fear and remain united. And then uh, Sabe and Tanra are their story is going back to Tatooine to try to help others, but specifically realizing they failed the first time because they tried to do it alone without respecting that a network had already been built up and in needing to respectfully become a part of that community in order to help people better. Mm. Um, I think a big part of the, the, the emotional structure of this book is Padme would love to keep both Anakin and Sabe in her life. Uh, but, this is Palpatine's big win, I think, is mm-hmm. he succeeds in isolating Padme by letting uh, Sabe see a hint of the rot, the doubt, and the fear that he, Palpatine, is infecting the Republic with. Uh, there are multiple multiple reasons why Sabe walks away, but one of them is, I can't be here in this cesspool. Yeah. And that is Palpatine effectively isolating Padme. So she only has Anakin. And so Anakin and, and Padme you know, uh, uh, go on, on the trajectory yeah. that we know they will because of Anakin. Uh, yeah. So we see that Anakin and Padme are legitimately happy towards the end of the book, but Palpatine's just lurking there in the background, mm. waiting to turn that beautiful connection into uh, a fear and break Anakin with it. It's a very serious big thing you talk about, but I'm kind of giggling in the background because I'm now just envisioning pa- uh, Palpatine as like pig pen, just dirt flying around him. He's just <laughs> sitting there, but he's just slowly infecting everything else around him. It really is like he just, yeah, he touches Savvy's arm. He's just like, I'm going to show you just a little of the mm-hmm. cloud of filth that is secretly uh, around me. And and yeah, from the, the comedic perspective of, of, of Palpatine too, I love how in this book he's like, oh, I think I got him. I think I got Anakin to fall in love with this woman. He'll be so easy yeah. to manipulate. And it just, I just, it just feels like Palpatine is spending this book, like uh, checking their dating profiles to see if they connected, yeah. you know? 
Yep. Oh, they said they're in a relationship. Oh, <laughs> yeah, got him now. Uh, so did the way. I, yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah. You think you're in a relationship, but I will make it complicated. Um, did the way these narratives wove together have uh, you know emotional impact for you? Ultimately, did it work? Yes, yes, in a big way. And this is one of the ones uh, that uh, having pulled back a little bit, um, you can kind of see the connections in it, and it really had an impact indeed. I was looking again for insight from Padme during uh, Revenge of the Sith, and, and I just made think of it as a pedestrian way uh, for me to look at it. Uh, you know, this what was Padme thinking in her final moments. Maybe one day we'll get there. But instead you kind of see what happened. Uh, and you're talking about she chooses this path, which uh, – you know, makes makes their love way more powerful to me, by the way. And, and the wedding isn't just a sweet beat. It's a true declaration of love and a big choice for both particular Padme. Uh, but then you can start, start to see how it slides. And for me, and this might be my interpretation of some, but you, you touched upon it. They are legitimately happy. They have legitimately made this choice. And I think Sabe's made a choice that is good for her as well. I think mm-hmm. there's um, some good stuff there uh, we'll talk about. But I, I think you're right. There's also some lessons to be had. And, and when you look back uh, and, and things, uh, this has gone different. And this is this is there's some point to this. I, I really started to connect to some of that with, with the relationship with, with Sabe and Padme and how how what that meant and how that affects the, the story. And, and, you know, the big thing is just you talk about this, you know, alone. And I love by the way, I love the little note of, of you know, Sabe and Tanra going. It worked out last time. We just kind of showed up and we're like, hey, we're Sabe and Tan. We're here to help. Now they have identities. They're working. They're, they're working, working with networks. I loved all that. Uh, but anyways, um, Padme with this idea that starts from the very beginning of Padme now keeping secrets. Kind of just like Anakin. And it's isolating and because she had kept secrets before, but every secret she seemed to have kept she she the character padme kind of thinks of it in those terms if every character before every secret before this was for the benefit of others right mm-hmm. and this is the first time she's keeping one for herself uh some people do know we can talk about the, that and the canon implications and i don't think personally i don't think that's necessarily bad right this is a moment for padme and she keeps saying that i think that's a bit of a victory for padme as a human a humanoid in star wars but it is just interesting to see that that is what palpatine's Open this whole thing uh, is this uh, the Phantom Menace of it all, and and how it starts a little bit the slide, and then through that and through Sabe seeing their love and some good things she sees, and some things she might understand, some things she's happy about when she comes to terms with it, but also there's something about that Anakin guy I don't like, and I feel like don't know her. I, I'm wearing the makeup, I am her shadow, but I don't know her anymore. I can't do this. All that kind of just is building towards what we know is going to happen. Yeah, and that is to just kind of pull back from the Star Wars of it all. That's just great young adult storytelling, right? To to tell yes. people like, hey, remember your best friend when you were 14, uh, 15, 16, who you thought you would never, ever move away from? You might, and that's mm. natural, and you still love each other, but you might grow apart because you have different experiences and you have different needs, and you can still be there for, for one another and stay connected, but it might be a little different. I think that's just great young adult storytelling as well as great Star Wars storytelling. I, I want to shout out our buddy, Alex David as Star Wars explained. I was listening to his review and he's kind of looking at these three books. He goes, uh, the first book kind of high school, the other one's like college. And this one's everyone graduated. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's the end of Greece for me, you know, uh, you know, we're all starting to sing here. Uh, what are we going to do after high school? Yeah. Uh, I, I well, think you're right. Legitimately could have ended with uh, Anakin and Padme uh, going off in a flying car. Weird in Greece <laughs> makes perfect sense on Coruscant. You're the one that I want. Ooh, 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 <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I love everything that you're saying. I think that was a great perspective to have Padme say, 
Uh, you know, I'm not big on secrets, but I have kept them for the bigger picture, for the greater good. Uh, so why not keep one for myself? And I don't think she wants to keep it a secret, right? She mm-hmm. wants to deal with it. And what they're both yep. saying is, we have, we've made this choice not just to be together, but because we love connection, we love family, and we want it. And where it falls down and where I think, in my analysis, Padme makes an understandable mistake is saying to herself, this is an extremely temporary situation. We're going to, we choose this. There's no reason to put it off. We love each other. We're going to be together. It will be a secret for now and we will deal with it. Right. Yeah. But we got to, but we got to deal with the bigger picture, which we'll get into. We have these responsibilities. I got to deal with this war. As soon as the war's over, I can deal with this and I, and it won't be a secret anymore. And there's a passage on page 123. I didn't write it down verbatim. Uh, but really matches a lot of stuff we've been talking about on Clone Wars Report, where Padme thinks the war is going to wrap up quick because, I'm paraphrasing, there are too many good people working on solutions for the war to drag on. That's what's so powerful about this story is this is a little micro version of, hey, this is yet another one of Palpatine's plots of division. I like how he says he tries things out on Naboo. (laughs) Yeah. And too many people push back. Too many people see like, okay, the fear and division is going to lead us into just the, these domination games and conflict. And, and we don't want that. We want to work together. And Palpatine yeah. gets to be pissed um, and says, but I'll, I'll wait for the big picture. And Padme understandably thinks like that's the way the whole world, the whole wor- war is going to go. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it's the Phantom Menace, right? It's the danger of not knowing the true enemy is Palpatine. And if this had been a, genuine war not a manufactured war and padme and partners had been able to resolve it quickly i think then padme would have said anakin we gotta you gotta make a choice you tell the jedi i'm i'm telling my people because i don't you know like it's it's the being trapped in the endless conflict of the war that that rots the marriage it's so key that you said this manufactured war we all know that it's a big part of the star wars plot but what that really means to the star wars story and all these characters and things that happen you can't overlook that yeah i also just really liked um hearing hearing more about padme's choice for anakin but also just some really great insight on anakin's longing for acceptance in uh uh, connection and this idea uh this big theme idea we're talking about of uh coming together versus being pulled apart of you know palpatine obviously wants to isolate anakin padme is only a, a means to make him possessive and greedy and that will make him it easier for Palpatine to isolate Anakin in the long run. But I love that we get these pictures of Anakin, who's somebody who is compassionate, wants connection. I love that he's excited to go to work with the clones. Like there's that line where he's like, mm. be really, it's you, normally just me and Obi-Wan in battle. It'd be great to have more people there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's a party, you know, like and it, it it's, it's so spot on for the way his character is developed in the Clone Wars. Uh, and then there's that part on page uh, 33 where he reflects how the, the the Lars family accepted him immediately, that Shmi must have told them all about him. There was mm-hmm. no questioning. There was no denial. Just come into our home. You're part of the family. And mm-hmm. where he says they were more welcoming than the Jedi. And yeah. he wants a family like the Lars. I thought that was... Uh, a great zing on the Jedi, <laughs> uh, not giving Anakin what what he needed, uh, and really made me feel uh, the book on an emotional level. Yeah, mm, love that. 
So we talked a little bit about Sabe's choice. What did you think ultimately of Sabe's choice to walk away from Padme? Did you agree? Did you think it was a big uh, tragedy? What I, all do you think went into the decision? I, I, look, I think it's a bit of a tragedy, but I, I kind of agree with it, 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 it in the sense of, um, and I'm not saying Palpatine had direct influence on this, but we're talking about his overall picture, but here's the situation. I just, I think in terms of the Star Wars story, it's a decision she had had to make, and I think it's the right decision choosing how she wants to um take part in this war, fight in her own way, fight for freedoms and, and all the things she's going to do on tattooing with, with Tanra and even and, and, uh, the growing relationship with Tanra and all that kind of stuff. I think I think it was needed, but it's just really sad. It's really sad. It does kind of remind you of when you lose friendships and uh, and things change. And, and I always say there's these moments where some friends who might even be tremendously close to you for years and you just kind of realize the only thing you have in common is the past and there's nothing uh, in, in the future for you together. That's sad. And then that does kind of, you know, create these kind of situations of, of unintentional isolation. So I, I just, and, and then it may, because we know what's going to happen with Padme, with her death, and then we even got it. We know Sabe. Uh, we we've read uh, what was the first book, right? Where Sabe it, it learns of that death and is like that. No, 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 no. Something ain't right here. Mm-hmm. It just made me. F- that's where some of the tragedy lies. This this sense of of, of Sabe going. I wasn't around, and none of this right. And we know, especially in a lot of the Greg Pak uh, comics, the Vader stuff, where, where Sabe returns with uh, with um, you know a, a great importance. Uh, you know that that's what made me feel sad. But on a, like a young adult level that you're talking about or just a star wars morality tale i think it's an important lesson it's important moment of, of growth and change and being okay with it and, and not being so attached to what was and looking forward to what can be yeah no i really agree with all that and i, I think it lines up really nicely with some of the sabe storytelling in the uh, the greg pack uh, vader run uh yeah it's 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 so understandable from the we grew apart uh i was your shadow you always tried to respect me as an equal but th- there is something you know inherent about being the person who pretends to be somebody else and i'm mm-hmm. really ready to be entirely my own person and also your world has changed. You have kind of, be, you, you've numbed a little bit to, you know, everything, helping people being conceptual instead of really, really direct and in their faces, which we, I love that. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit as well. So a lot of understandable growing apart. Um, I do like the, the discussions of perspective on Anakin's anger, where you, you get yeah. some great perspective on how Padme processed it. And from the outside, <laughs> Sabe just going like, yeah, your boyfriend's got some issues. Excuse me, your husband's got some issues, you know? Yeah. Extremely relatable, um, mm-hmm. powerful stuff. Uh, but then for kind of Sabe, it, it does feel like a victory. From Palpatine's perspective, it feels like a victory because he, mm-hmm. he drove drove apart, drove people apart and isolated mm-hmm. Padme and, and Anakin even more. Yeah. Um, but from her perspective, I love that she is going to embrace her own life that she's embracing her philosophy. Like, I don't want to help people as a bill that gets passed. I want to help people directly face-to-face. And really significant that she has been kind of like, uh, uh, Tanra, uh, we're we're Naboo buddies with benefits, kind of mm-hmm. holding him at arm's length, and gets home and goes, now that I feel like I have my feet under me and have chosen to be who I am, I want to let you all the way into my life. That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of a big moment for me for Sabe. 
Yeah, which why in the end I think this is a big victory. And as far as, as as a victory for Palpatine, I I think in tracking what he does all through his 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 uh, career, if you will, uh, this is a natural change. What's going on? I think what we're talking about a lot of it is using the college graduation example is important. It's a natural change, and how you choose to react to that, how you choose to grow from that, can be where maybe some of the problems lie. And for Palpatine to wedge in here and go. Ooh, 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 her best friend from college uh, just started her own career, took a job, moved out of the neighborhood. Ooh, I can use that and isolate her even more, <laughs> isolate her and Anakin even more. And I think that's part of the, the diabolical, uh, unfortunate diabolical genius of Palpatine. So I think it all works as a life lesson, as a, an important a victory for, for Sabe and growth. And then, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, a, a path for Palpatine. Absolutely. Uh, which leads me to my last question about this theme. If Palpatine was trying to ruin your life, what might he infect with darkness for you? Uh, my sense of purpose, any purpose. Uh, the darkness always defeats me by convincing myself that nothing I do matters. And Palpatine would be right there with me going, yes, uh, you know, that's so true. Do you want power and purpose? I can give you that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like to imagine uh, Palpatine manipulating uh, algorithms of uh, podcasts and social media. Like, <laughs> totally look, it's, it's just the way it is. Nobody wants to hear, you know, <laughs> thoughts or emotions. They they just want anger. So, I mean, I guess if you want to provide for your family, the only way to do it is with anger <laughs> on your podcast. It's like it's such a, <laughs> I guess such a Palpatine thing to do. You could get in your car and do an angry video about uh, this, uh, this book, uh, or you could dive in deep and learn from it. Uh, your choice, your choice. One will lead you to riches and power. <laughs> I love thoughtful podcast. Yeah. Uh, last big, uh, big theme that I want to discuss, which I think is really, really central to the book as well, is this idea of the personal versus the the bigger picture. That's something that we we see Padme mm-hmm. wrestle with throughout her story. It's something we see Leia wrestle with. I think it's kind of central to Empire Strikes Back. But in this book, it's really highlighted that most of the characters are wrestling with what they personally want versus what's good for the bigger picture. And can they possibly coexist? Mm. Uh, Padme is of course actively choosing Anakin because she needs and wants something that is for her. She communicates that clearly, but she is still committed to doing their duty first. And I I love that that's, you know, going Mm. on in the book of like, we had this blissful time together uh, by the lake (laughs) on the boo. Don't want to leave it, but you go do Jedi stuff. I'm doing Senator stuff because that comes Mm. first. Uh, we get another example of this early on when uh, the current queen of Naboo, Queen Jamelia, uh, recruits Padme to rescue her sister because Queen Jamelia can't be seen to be favoring the personal over the rest of Naboo. But it's an honest thing that we all have to wrestle with. And then just in little the little fun snapshots, I love that we see multiple characters that we know pine for personal yeah. things. There's that great little passage where Yoda is reflecting on on the meaning of the war and he takes some time out to go like, I'd rather be going around the galaxy teaching younglings, but I got a commitment to the bigger picture. And then even Palpatine, he's got that great moment. He's like, I have my grand scheme. It's a long game, but it's getting closer to the end. But what I really want to do today, just personally, burn the Senate down. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so even though Palpatine is 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 awful, you know, Yoda and Palpatine, you know, absolute opposites. We're getting this picture from both of them that's just like this is a natural thing for all existing beings to to wrestle with of what do I want and need right now versus what is this commitment to the bigger picture that I've made? Yeah, love this stuff. And, and you know, jokes aside, uh, E.K. Johnston has managed uh, to provide great little 
tidbits and insight into a lot of characters, a lot of main legacy characters in, in a book focused on Padme and 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 characters that uh, previously only uh, storytelling only been dreamed about the, the Handmaids and whatnot. Great Palpatine stuff. That was a great little Yoda moment. Almost if Yoda was saying, "Did you have you read Light of the Jedi? Have you read the High Republic era? I love that era. That's a I, I wish I wish I was in that era still. I uh, loved all of that, um, all that stuff. Yeah." Absolutely great stuff. And then kind of for me, the last big picture that we were talking about it, one of the reasons that, that Sabe is like, I can't be here on, on Coruscant. You know, I, I sense all this uh, doubt and fear and anger that, that Palpatine kind of uh, shoved at her. And we know that. Um, but also that what she's communicating to herself is I really want to help people on a person to person level rather than a conceptual one. That again goes to like the personal versus like, I know in theory, this big bill that we're making all of these dubious relationships mm. to pass it will probably do some good versus i want to go back to tatooine and see the human or you know being mm. that i helped in that yeah. i think there's another great way to look at this um what did you think about this uh, perspective uh, from this book on why padme chose anakin do you, do you think padme made the right choice for herself for the galaxy i already spouted off a little bit <laughs> on this, but I really want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I, I think I, I do think it, it was the right choice for Padme because the way it's explained. And, and now, when you when you hear Padme talk about the you know the Lake Country in Naboo, which was a line that could still be made fun of, and was definitely a line made fun of during the prequel era. I had some friends who used to always yeah. post on MySpace about how dumb that line was. <laughs> it now has a little more meaning to me. You actually got to see it, and it isn't just flowers and, and fireworks. It is it is some real connection and some real choice behind it, a real relationship starting to be built. And I think you're right. Uh, the choices Anakin makes, uh, the influences around it is what um, – ruins it there and there are always these questions about why Padme did that and why she couldn't see some of the stuff and I think we get just a little bit more insight into it and I love that you brought up here the the Queen Jamelia little uh, almost a little side story right it's almost like a little side mission and this is when the early part of when I was reading the book and I had I I, I fell for the oldest trick in the book we, when we talk about Star Wars stuff where I was like how does this matter like what is going on here like it, it was just a little boop and they're back right and and then you get to pull back and really ask about the why of the scene and to see this queen, to see someone who has the big picture always in, in mind because she has to and needs to do this, but maybe finds herself constrained, but also sees the importance of it. And, and you know, there's little plot details about it too, but to have Padme see that, to have Padme see, well, here's someone who has to choose. And I, I think that factors a little bit into the decision of why she made this choice for herself. Again, this idea of becoming Padme in this moment. Yeah, no, I, I really agree that she sees that reminder of like, yep, th these are the kind of positions that you get trapped into of having to balance the mm -hmm. the personal and uh, the big picture. Yeah, and, and does a lot to show us the state of like, wow, er the Clone Wars are suddenly changing everything. Um, yeah, I, I really liked just seeing uh, Padme's perspective um, and Sabe's perspective as well of how they see Anakin, right? Because it, mm -hmm. it is easy for us as an audience to go like, well, yeah, he he slaughtered those people and then he made a big deal about it. And, you know, we've talked about that before and lots of strong opinions about that. But I love the portrait that was ultimately painted of Anakin, which I think is really accurate in this book of a uh, sort of uh, space Mr. Darcy, uh, mm. that he is <laughs> kind of this like, you know, Jane Austen, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a regency old timey character where i like the the focus on that he is very proper very polite he is charming 
but he is brooding and rigid. And you see all of this compassion, but he kind of tries to control it and keep it under this, you know, proper, polite veneer, even though he's, he's raging with all these emotions. And you can really see how he's, uh, how people would be charmed yeah. by that, right? Like mm-hmm. people have been charmed by multiple versions of Mr. Darcy <laughs> on screen uh, over the years. Um, yeah. But I really love that scene uh, where Sabe and, and Anna can connect for a moment. And she, that's when she's really reflecting. He's, he's so polite. He's thought about yeah. this. He's sorry. He's picking his words. But he also turns on a dime. And she thinks about like, he's so honest. He's so sincere and straightforward. And mm-hmm. there's there's the good side of that, right? Of like, yeah, I tell you what I mean, and I tell you what I believe, and what I believe in is uh, people working together and helping each other. And then there's the dark side of that, is like, but he's extremely rigid about it and gets quickly angry mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and inflexible if it's more nuanced than than he wants, because he, he he wants all those good things without the 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 nuance that makes it harder and scarier. Right. Uh, yeah. So I think it's just a yeah. really good picture in this book of who Anakin is as a character, uh, how to process some of his darker side and, and really how to love uh, and be charmed by him. Yeah. Uh, space, Mr. Darcy might be the greatest insight you've ever uh, set on four center <laughs> in, in six years now of doing it. Now I love it because we are, we are a third chapter in a trilogy away from him saying, you know, uh, if you're not with me, you're against me. And, and mine, we're, 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 we're almost there. We're right. We're, we're a war away yeah. from that. And to see where it comes from a, a, a good place. Uh, I, you, you highlighted this. I, I, I kind of pulled this out too of uh, Sabe saying his manners were still impeccable. Like when she, like when he was a little boy, uh, because she keeps talking at first, she's like, this isn't the, the boy I met. Who is this? And, and there's some truth to that, but seeing what's built in there and, and how it's complicated, but also, yeah, he is, he is charming. And, and we'll talk about it too. I love that moment and what, uh, what E.K. Johnson did with what could have been just a sitcom moment. Uh, I'm trying to get home. Where's my wife? It goes into something so much more important than that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, another thing I wanted to highlight about understanding Padme's perspective, is I love the passage on, on page 49. I didn't write down the whole passage, uh, but that Padme is reflecting on how much it affects her that Newt Gunray invaded her planet <laughs> and tortured her people. And he's mad at her for trying to hold him accountable and is watching with glee as she's brutally attacked in the arena. And that moment of like, I under, I, I'm not a person of violence and I won't give into it, but I understand that desire to lash out at, at people who hurt you for no reason and, and connecting her feelings about Newt Gunray and the Nimodians hatred for her to Anakin's uh, actions at the Tuscan camp, I thought was great. Yeah. The end of that line is, but for a brief moment, she understood entirely what Anakin had felt when he stood in that Tuscan village on Tatooine. And, and we, again, uh, these things are going to happen. These emotions are natural, which is something she, she even tells him that right. And attack the clones. Yeah. Talk to about this book. to be human. Talk about this book, Celebrate Attack of the Clones. But again, what do you do with that? How do you process that? Process that? What are the choices? Big stuff in Star Wars. Yeah. And then a uh, final thing here on Padme. I, I love that on page 97, this uh, big thing that Padme wrestles with, this big thematic we're talking about is, is just laid out quite clearly. Uh, on page 97, Padme is thinking, she says, someday she would figure out how to put both halves of her life together. Someday she would make the political and the personal more cohesive. Someday she wouldn't keep them so divided. 
especially I think that really goes to what we were talking about of like her, her folly, if there is one, is thinking and hoping that she can get to that day where the personal and the political is, is a little bit more married. Um, and we know that day doesn't come because of Balmadine. Oh, Sheev. Sheev. Um, big picture to the to this idea. For you, what is the power of um of of finding balance between the the big and the in the personal of making big concepts that can feel theoretical? What's the power of making them personal, giving an issue a face, the way that um Sabe talks about the freeing people? Like she wants to see their faces, you know? Yeah, and I'm a little bit more in, in just my life, my history of it, a, a little bit more of, of the Sabe type of let me help you on a one-on-one, and 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 that's great, but you know, you, you want to keep the big picture in mind. And I think a lot of me starting to open up my, even my own life to the bigger picture is just because, unfortunately, you don't connect with things until you feel it and see it and it's in front of you. Uh, that's kind of uh, the, the danger of, of even power and privilege, right? We talked about Book of Boba Fett, uh, Boba Fett going, I want to go on the ground because I want to see what's actually out here. I don't want to rule mm. from afar and how important that is. And I think that's when it starts to connect and i think uh, that's not to say that anything that like sasha is doing which is more the political side and she has a great political speech and keeping with the theme of we must connect we must not isolate all those kind of things are there and it's important too um it's all part of it but i think sometimes you just need to see it feel it and know it and know a name and know what's going on uh in that person's life and then you can connect with it more and i think that's what star wars does so well too sometimes it, it, you t- it, it does take a real issue or a real uh, theoretical debate and and put a laser blaster in its hand and then you can see it in a different way and connect with it in a different way yeah i i love what you're saying and i think yeah even with sache a lot of it is about like it's this big issue uh and she understands the sort of the conceptual way that this uh, idea is being wielded but she's dealing with the the humans right and she mm-hmm. knows them Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and how they're going to act. She knows how Seal Bibble is going to act. She knows how this, these other yeah. characters that we met in the previous book uh, from Carlinas are going to act. Yeah, uh, and, and it is personal. It is about the face to face. Absolutely, absolutely is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think a final thought for me. I think that's just real, really important and difficult thing in real life is that making an issue real down to a, a person. It, it just it develops empathy. Uh, I don't need to go into any details, but I've certainly encountered many many moments in my life where people are extremely empathetic to a person mm-hmm. uh, in their individual plight, but the second it becomes a conceptual, like the exact same problems that you're empathetic with this individual dealing with, as soon as you blow it up into a whole community is dealing with those problems, the empathy goes away. Mm-hmm. And that that is one of the things that I, I it's a life lesson I learned early that's very important to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. sometimes people have an easier time having empathy with a person one-on-one instead of the idea of, but many people are facing this problem. Uh, Panaka suffers from that, I think. Yeah. I, I think he does. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of, Panaka. I have my security background, as a lot of you know. And so I'm always sympathetic to him. And I think it comes from a good spot. But I think there's some great insight into him. And we know his story. We know his Cadden story, which was more legends and now pulled in of, yeah, we still buddies with Palpatine. He gets a lot of what he's saying. And I think it's it's interesting to to note that he's he has this real personal um, you know, when 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 Sasha is is speaking. Uh, there's this great line. I loved it from E.K. Johnston that where, where she's talking or pa- uh, Panaka is like he sees um, his face softened a little bit when he 
he spoke to her, even as his eyes lingered on the scars he hadn't been able to prevent. So he has mm. this great sense of, I do want to protect. Everything that he's saying about Naboo, is, is, it's for this greater good from his point of view, but he, could, he sees her and he sees how he couldn't protect her. And so he has trouble then connecting to the others in this region, this Chamal section that, that might need a different kind of help or a different kind of thought to it, but he can't connect to that. He can connect to her. But even as he's, as he's connecting to her, he's maybe uh, putting forth ideas that would hurt other people on a larger scale. And I think Panaka represents that. Oh, I, I think that is extremely good uh, Panaka insight. Uh, we love Panaka. Yeah. <laughs> In his great big story of mm-hmm. the, yeah, being, being I, and I love that it's really highlighted here that like if Naboo is the general, I'm going to test out some of my manipulations from Palpatine, like, <laughs> Yeah. Panaka is like my space, you know, uh, yeah. control subject. How will, will he react with fear? Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then I can use that on other people. Uh, do you have any other big picture ideas or themes that you wanted to discuss uh, before we take a break? Uh, no, I'll, I'll, we'll wait for the Panaka podcast and we'll do more of that. Excellent. Uh, we are going to take a quick break and then I'm sure we'll say Panaka again many more times. Back in a moment. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we are back to continue our discussion of Queen's Hope, the novel by E.K. Johnston. We talked about a lot of the big ideas. I'm sure we will revisit them as we talk about some of the other just moments in the book. Uh, we always like to take a moment to just highlight uh, things that we enjoyed, maybe because they're insightful, maybe because they're fun, maybe because they're funny. Whatever reason we enjoyed them, Ken, I'm going to edit my list as we go because I wrote down so many moments. I thought this book had like just so many great character moments, funny moments. Where did you go for uh, uh, moments you particularly enjoyed? Yeah, well, it's funny for me. A lot of them, I, I, even as I was starting to write them down for the notes, I was like, oh, wait, that's canon lore connections, too. I want, I want to talk about <laughs> that, celebrate that. So I, I don't maybe have as many to discuss here. So by all means, take take the floor. I love, you mentioned, you started to talk about it earlier, but back on page 33, there's this thing of a of Anakin, and, and he's not entirely sure he was ready for this, this being the, the marriage, the relationship. Uh, he talks about his training and focused him, uh, focused on selfishness and detachment, the great stuff. But truth be told, Anakin had decided to marry Padme in the kitchen at his stepfather's house. He watched mm. the way Owen and Brew moved around as they prepared lunch, handing each other things before they were asked and laughing. When they bumped into each other, it was connection that had nothing to do with the Force, and Anakin wanted it. That really actually spoke to me and uh, unveiling a little bit of, uh, you know, very lucky, fortunate to have a wonderful fiance and partner and, and to finally experience love and, and to have a couple of great long-term relationships before that. But for a long time in my life, I was a very, very lonely uh, kid and, and a guy and, and that could uh, twist me into ways and, and anger about it and couldn't process it. And, and I remember one of the things that what I always wanted, I, it wasn't the, the big nights and the flowers and fireworks and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I remember one time in high school watching two friends of mine that were in a relationship. And as they were walking out to the car after school, she reached out and just kind of grabbed his backpack in a crowded, um, crowded uh, hallway as they walked out. And I just remember actually driving home crying because of that connection and something I didn't feel and something I didn't get to experience at that point in my life yet. Um, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't the sex. It wasn't that it was that it was that it was that connection. The two people in a crowded room uh, know each other and they know they're there for each other by a simple touch on a backpack. I was really moved by Anakin going, yeah, you know what? She's this, the, this powerful um, uh, character and she's, she's gorgeous. And, and, uh, you know, as a little boy, I had this crush and I'm saying all these kind of awkward things and I'm kind of being you know, weird about it. And technically <laughs> uh, it's, it's all there and it's all for to be discussed. But I just love is Anakin, the person who just wants connection, who just uh, uh, who ju who lost his mom, who who went on this journey he wasn't sure of. And the cold Jedi are like, yeah, whatever, take a test, you're in or you're not. We're not really sure about you. All that kind of stuff. He just wanted what he saw with Brew and Owen, handing food and laughing about it, communicating without any words. And that was the kind of connection he craved. And that's what he needed. And that's what he couldn't get from the Jedi Order. It makes his love of Padme much more real to me. Yeah, uh, that is a phenomenal passage, uh, beautifully uh, described and connected to your, your own life, Ken. Yeah, and I think even with, like, this is what I love about the relationship between uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin. I think Obi-Wan truly 
loves Anakin and is just trying to be like this, the best teacher, right? But Anakin's yeah. like, do you want to be my dad? And, and Obi-Wan's like, settle for brother? <laughs> you know? <laughs> How's uh, brother sound? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. And he just wants that connection, which is a good thing, right? And the thing. relationship that he describes, that he mm-hmm. sees between the Lars, right? If he had let himself have that and go, this is beautiful, just the connection, we're here for one another, and go, you know what, this is the most important thing to me, I'm going to walk, I'm going to tell the Jedi, and if they kick me out, that's their choice, this Mm -hmm. is what I want, like, how much of a difference would that have made in the galaxy, you know? Palpatine would have been upset, but yeah. It would have made Palpatine's work a lot harder, (laughs) yeah, so that's a much larger conversation, but I think, uh, you know, uh, I, I think it's important for me, because I think this is the nuance that it makes the story of Star Wars, the Skywalker saga sing to me is it is not wrong, in my opinion, for Anakin to have loved Padme. It's mm-hmm. for him to have uh, wanted to uh, possess her, uh, yeah. to stop seeing her as just this person who who knows him <laughs> equally and makes him feel comfortable and happy. But to like, even if I'm going to do things that she doesn't want me to, I selfishly can't bear losing her. There's such yeah. a difference between that, where he ends up, in what he's seen in mm-hmm. the the Lars homestead. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I so agree with you. We've had, I think, some similar uh, uh, pasts. Like, mm-hmm. I remember the first time that Sarah and I, we were just dating, and the first time we went grocery shopping together, and I was like, this is it. This <laughs> yes. is the magic. This is when it's real. Like, we were both <laughs> drinking tea at that time. Like, what kind of tea do we drink? What kind of tea are we going to get? This is this is the stuff, you know? That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a great one. Um, I'll rattle through a couple of uh, little ones here. A great 3PO comedy. I think she has, E.K. Johnson just has such great command. I love the, the picture of 3PO being like, I'm so happy that, you know, you're basically giving me to Padme, which is, you know, recanonizing that yeah. that uh, story. Uh, but that 3PO is obsessed with keeping them apart pre-wedding because that is, you know, protocol. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That was just some great drive-by 3PO comedy. Uh, just a little beat that I thought was was beautiful and a respectful of Attack of the Clones. Uh, Padme weaving her fingers through Anakin's metal ones. You know, we see that that moment of her taking the metal hand in the wedding in Attack of the Clones, but making it a little bit more real and personal was was so great. And, and Anakin going like, this is fine, but I'll tinker with it when I get home. <laughs> yeah. Great stuff there. Um yeah, uh, uh, one other little detail, um, page 77, uh, talking about their great time at the Lake Country on Naboo, uh, where it describes that they're swimming but avoiding the beach. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's such love of Star Wars here. Not only the, like, wh- who, who needs more perspective? Who, who, what, what can be enhanced? What, what's the tip of the iceberg storytelling? But also just having some fun with, like, he's serious. He doesn't like sand. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. not a good time for him. To lounge on the beach. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are, what are some other moments for you? I We talked a lot about a lot, but I, I want to just uh, expand a little bit on it. I'm really loving this idea of Anakin stumbling into Pad, Pad, Padme's bedroom to find Asabe there. Uh, when mm. when it hits, and it's a great ending to that chapter, right? Asabe's kind of like, oh, I can pour some wine. I'm going to go to bed. Oh, God, someone's in here. And uh, this whole thing. And this is also, you know, how she finds out. So that kind of ends, and then you, you go into another part of the story. And that was around the time where I kind of put down the book for a little bit. And I was like, I, I kind of, I want to read it today because I want to see what happens. And again, I was expecting like, 
waka waka sitcom moment. Uh, lights come on. Where's my wife? Nah, this was just this wonderful scene. And because of course this would happen. And, 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 and it does make sense. And, and it becomes this great way to see Anakin through Sabe's eyes. Like we've just been uh, discussing, uh, but then to, to, this is how she finds out. And then Dorbe uh, knows and, and Sabe's not connected. It, so it becomes so much more than just this comedy moment, but also at the same time, it is, it is fun because, uh, you know, I've always wondered, like, who, is Anakin just lying to Obi-Wan all the time? Like, I'm going to go catch a drink or I got to pick up my dry clean. And like, like, what's going on with him? He's always sneaking up. So anyways, I just love seeing that on a lot, lot of different levels. Oh, yeah. And I, and I love the details of how they set up the situation. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. that's the thing that you can ask when you're watching Clone Wars animated series or Revenge of the Sith. Of like, what, how, how, what, what's the deal? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. They, they set that all up uh, very well. Or, or she, E.K. Johnson, sets it up uh, yeah. all very well. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, great moment that could have been, like you said, sitcom, but it's a lot more depth. Yeah. A um, couple mm-hmm. more for me. Uh, hey, I, I got to shout out the Obi-Wan moment. I love the bit of... Uh, Obi-Wan snark when he's kind of reflecting on the battle and that Anakin seeming like he's, he's really enjoying fighting with those clones, really getting into it. And Anakin throws a big boulder yeah. <laughs> at a, a, a bunch of uh, 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 B1 battle droids. Yeah. And Anakin says, bit showy, but it worked. <laughs> <laughs> all well, great perspective stuff there. Yeah. Um, two more for me. I, I just, I loved all the details with the Wookiee ship with the yeah. beds being super long and the six being really tall. It was a great way to mm-hmm. celebrate our beloved Wookiees. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And then with the shower, it's got like a full body air dryer, blow dryer system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, final one for me. Uh, it was one of those moments where I think there's a ton of details with characters coming back, not just big ideas and themes, but specific characters, specific beats, specific moments. Uh, coming back that made it feel like this is a trilogy onto itself. Uh, I loved when Darth Sidious Sheev Palpatine found out like, hey, my test run to divide the entire entire Chamal sector with fear uh, didn't work. They they did what the goody two-shoes do. They bonded Mm -hmm. together and held hands. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll let them do it for now because eventually there'll only be one ruler. It'll be Panaka. But within all that great stuff, it starts with him just shooting that uh, stone uh, uh, sculpture that he was getting in the other book. Yes. Yes. Uh, there's so many great little poverty moments. We'll talk about some too, but just, yeah, no, uh, God. Yeah. Everything about it. And just like, well, they all acted like they, I thought they would. I, I, I have all have this all in my little uh, flow chart, flow chart that I, re, you know, plan here. But uh, <laughs> I love the, you know, Palpatine again. Always as much as he's in control of things, little things happen that he can't control, and it's how, unfortunately, how he reacts to him. So I thought it was some good insight and, and fun, yeah, and fun in a way, yeah, and, and a really great, meaningful thing that, like he, the thing he didn't predict is there'd be a Nemodian who felt guilty about their own dark past who was trying to make things right. Like, yep, mm-hmm. I thought I already broke them, mm-hmm. you know. And what do you mean yep. there's one more I got to break? Yep. So, and then, yeah, yep. just the picture of him just rage shooting light. <laughs> yeah. and like, please, can we uh, start a GoFundMe to raise money for Ian McDermott to just shoot that scene? <laughs> that just was... rage lightning into a, uh, mm-hmm. into a stone 
uh, sculpture. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, any other moments before we get on to canon? Uh, yeah, one one thing. I, I put this idea of Padme in a fight. And, 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 and what I mean mm. by this is this constant little reminders of what we've already seen with her. She she can go into action. Aggressive negotiations, if you will. She We've seen that. She's going to do it again in Clone Wars uh, and all that kind of stuff. And I just kind of, I don't know, I love it. She's, she's, a, she's a former queen and a bit of a pacifist queen, right? For Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. But not not afraid and, and always ready to, to to jump into a fight if she needs to. And it just kind of reminds me the full scope of the character. This is uh, Star Wars after all, and she knows how to pew, pew, pew. And there was just some great stuff of uh, of her kind of uh, in, in a firefight. And I just like that about Padme as well. Oh, yeah. And this is a great passage, I think, is the shows Padme's, you know, belief system of I want to avoid violence, but those droids are going to kill innocent people. So, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I'll slide over there and destroy that droid. And then I love yeah. that it was pitches like, you know, that was that was really scary. And I understand that the Clone Wars are going to be intense and, and violent, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. great, great stuff. All right. So moving on to canon and lore, there's there's so much. Uh, I tried to keep it uh, <laughs> to a minimum. I think I failed. Uh, so we'll pick and choose which one of these can that, that I think is uh, that we want to talk about more. Um, sure. Some of them are just kind of fun moments. Uh, Moti, who is the new handmaiden. One of the new handmaidens, uh, that's a fun trivia thing that she is in the box in Revenge of the Sith uh, during the fall of the Republic. One of the yeah. other characters who gets to witness everything fall apart. Yay for, Yay. Good for you, Modi. Yay. <laughs> uh, going then to this bigger one uh, that uh, Brew met Shmi and then introduced her to, to Kleeglars uh, as a part of this network. That actively frees slaves, that Shmi helped develop the scanner that Anakin dreamed of. And then uh, the implication that the name of this entire organization was White Sons, connecting to Beru's last name. Uh, go anywhere you want within the, that canon. We already kind of discussed the importance of it. But then there's also just the like, that's huge new information about the story of Star Wars. It's uh, very huge, and I've already seen some uh, thumbnails wondering if we're going to get any more of this with Baru and Owen and Kenobi. I don't know, and I'm not necessarily expecting it to, but it, I, I just I don't think I need to. I, I'd love that, right? I'd love to have an episode where Kenobi's like, what are you doing? Oh, we've been freeing slaves. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> would absolutely love that. Um, but I just love knowing that it's there. It's something that's part of the character. It can be explored later on. Uh, it, it really... Um, I just, we've all grown up with Aunt Beru and have, you know, even if she was just, uh, you know, uh, sitting there in the kitchen making food for Luke, there's something sweet about her and we love that, but it's so much more and I'm excited about that. And then the Shmi stuff, that passage where she's like, it, it's the, uh, the, the Beru interstitial there when it's just like, you know, finishing what Anakin dreamed of. Like, talk about love for the prequels, man. Like, I just really celebrated that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And to me, it was just a, a great fleshing out, too, that like, you know, one of the main things that Shmeed does for Watto is all this electronic work. We see her in Phantom Menace at the bench mm-hmm. messing with stuff like yeah. I love that moment where she's like, I taught my son everything I know, but he's amazing at at this skill that we share, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and again, going to what I've said up top of, uh, you know, I've known this, I've seen that I've seen her at the bench and I, I could probably intellectualize like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She knows what she's doing. But again, for to have someone like E.K. Johnston who, who saw that, saw it differently than I and probably dreamed about what that meant that, 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 that Shmi was working at that bench. And it's just fun. It's not just even simple canon connections. It's just uh, someone celebrating star Wars from, from their own journey and their own perspective. And I love that. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the other thing for me, I think I definitely had the like, is this going to show up in Kenobi? But I also yeah. think that the the Baru passage talks about how she was really actively involved and she kind of segues into uh, more like, I will help organize, I will make mm-hmm. food, I'll be the, there to support the people who are on the front line. So I think even within the book, it was trying to build up like, look, we're, we're not saying that, you know, when we cut away in A New Hope, she puts on her cloak and runs it like that. Yeah. This was a thing that she did in this part of her life, got this organization up and running mm-hmm. and then, you know, segued into, uh, you know, certainly I think when Luke arrives, I'm like, well, this is where I'm needed. This is who needs me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well said. The other, the other big thing I like uh, about it is, you know, there's always the discussion of, is this the best way to hide uh, Anakin and, and Padme's child by calling him Luke Skywalker? And for me, one of the headcanon things has always been like, well, they, Beru and, and uh, Owen lived with Shmi, loved Shmi. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe this is about honoring Shmi. And yeah. this book doesn't say that, but for me, it, it really supports that headcanon that Luke isn't just like, yeah, I guess we'll take a kid. Like, it's Shmi's. Yeah. grandson it's a last connection to this person that they had this you know complex and interesting relationship with yeah absolutely agree with that one awesome um okay so moving on mm-hmm. page 34 uh in roundabout we get this great scene where pre-wedding anakin is visiting the statue of qui-gon on naboo and uh, anakin acknowledges hearing the voice of qui-gon quote begging him to listen to his better nature which, of course, we uh, watching a Tannic of the clones know is Anakin. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Anakin then says he looks for Qui-Gon in the force, but uh, finds nothing. How did you feel about that? I loved all that. I loved the sequence. I loved paying the respects to to their relationship to the events of Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Uh, and then just uh, how it is uh, is a little bit of a built-in tragedy, a little bit of a, a sad lack of connection. And, and uh, if that had been... I don't know. Been there. We're going to learn more. I think we'll still learn more about Qui-Gon, not necessarily saying in Kenobi. Just I think there's more to learn about him and uh, his relationship to the cosmic force at this point. So uh, I, I think there's some tip of the iceberg storytelling. But I, again, as a, as a prequel fan, as a young Anakin fan, I just love uh, what could be and what was uh, not there, but almost there. Yeah. And for me, it's just more great respect for Attack of the Clones of like, yeah, no, Anakin heard that, felt that, didn't listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Might have some feelings about it now, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, but is, here he is now trying to get centered, right? And and yeah. trying to, you know, and important that Qui-Gon was somebody who did feel welcoming and, and fatherly, as we've discussed. Indeed, indeed. Moving on to page 154. This is just a quick shout when they're talking about uh, the kind of the loyalist committee coming together and all, all the politicians sort of uniting on how they were going to confront uh, the Clone Wars. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they say, Anaconda Far has been a little strange <laughs> lately, but we're not worried about it yet. Like, Great shout out to that early Clone Wars episode where yeah. Anaconda Far gives in to fear and mm-hmm. partners with the the uh, Separatists because he thinks that's going to keep Rodia safe and just sells out yeah. <laughs> Padme and regrets it. Uh, and great to hear that. Like, it's been a little strange, but it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. Uh, there's a great Tonneray shout out, of course. Uh, and here's probably the the Tonneray wine shout out. Um, this is uh, probably the big one, Ken. The S word in Star Wars. Uh, it's page one seventy seven. Uh, speaking of the sitcom moments, uh, yeah. 
uh, Dormy is uh, combing Sabe's hair, right? And Sabe just kind of quietly tells uh, Dormy casually, like she had a nighttime visitor. And Dormy at first is like, oh, cool. Wait. Oh, oh, beep. And drops the S-bomb right in Star Wars. How did you feel about that? It worked so well that I, I didn't even really <laughs> notice it at first until second glance. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. was like, yeah, oh God, oh bleep, you're right. And so I think it worked really well. I don't know, uh, you know, uh, it's the big ass door of it all. I, it does it doesn't work. We're in an era where these words are going to slip in more and more and, and I am okay with it. I, and, and this is not the last. Should she have said Ichuta? I, I, maybe, I don't know. Like, I don't care. You know, I just like this. I like the moment. It's such a great character moment. It was so effective. I could mm. see, you know, the Dormia of the movies who's just being very calm. And, yeah. Yes. And like, and like, oh, the dime dropped of what that means. I did like a little double take of like, that's so funny and kept reading. And like, hey, wait. Hey, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't. I Yes, yeah, you're right. Th- these are always going to be the debates of what real word, uh, real yeah. world words and real Fine. world moments pop into our, our space fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um uh, my head canon is that this is a swear word that exists in Naboo culture, because uh, the only thing that I don't like about it is there are several other characters I feel like if that word's real in Star Wars, it, look, Boba Fett would have said it seventy-two times in Book of Boba Fett, right? <laughs> <laughs> so would Han. It's a probably right. a Han word. I don't give it's, a bleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, Han would have said that to three PO a uh, hundred <laughs> times in the original trilogy, right? <laughs> Yeah, look at it for me. A lot of times it's a case by case basis. Not all of them work for me. This one did. Yeah, exactly. Okay, moving on to some other great Clone Wars animated series connections. Uh, we get uh, when when Sabe is pretending to be Padme and is having the meeting at the Jedi Temple or the kind of the social hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a great interaction with uh, Barris Afi, uh, and we learn these details that she was uh, treating the wounded at Petronaki Arena. Mm-hmm. She's really honest with uh, with Sabe about the horror of war. Uh, we have Deepa Balaba there saying, um, c- trying to counsel Barris by saying, well, totally understandable, but we might all be called to go against our own nature during this war. Be ready. And then uh, Barris Afi's ominous answer of, I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, of course, uh, connects to the Clone Wars animated series very well, where Barris Afi is a very much against the war, but then goes against her own nature to try to end the violence uh, by creating more violence. Mm. Uh, and I, I thought it really enriched that story. It really did. The, the character of Barisafi is, is very interesting. And are we done with that character? Oh, theories mm. say no. We'll see. Uh, but even if we don't get any more storytelling, I think what's there, uh, there's, there's great potential, uh, I guess, for more storytelling. Love the character. Love the moments. It truly is ominous. And again, Star Wars, choices, things that will happen. That's natural. Your reactions to them, your angers, your frustrations. What do you do with them? And another little Star Wars lesson. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then on page uh, 221, uh, when Palpatine kind of takes uh, fake uh, Padme Sabe for a walk and does that, really, he knows it's annoying and condescending, uh, sort of guiding and putting the arm on her and uh, d- does the, uh, you know, lets a little bit of the dark side seep out, a little bit of the pig pen of the force yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and rot her. But then within that, it describes that the this pool in the Jedi garden dried up and uh, the Jedi gardeners could never fill it again. How did you feel about that? About like Palpatine letting out the darkness enough to directly even affect the temple? 
Loved it. I got to say, this is one of my favorite little Palpatine moments. We always talk about how much we love this character. We don't want him to win, but I just love uh, there's this great evil and how the story needs it. it. It's a little, I actually did a, like a, a double take. Like I had to go back and reread. I, I read it, turned the page and was like, wait a minute. Did he just suck up that fountain? <laughs> Just, yep. Oh my! And I, I just could see it. I could. You get. Yeah, you're right. Let's get. Let's get McDermott to film these scenes. I could just <laughs> see it and feel it and hear it. I really love this little moment. I really, absolutely love uh, what it means to his story, what he's about to do, what's happening in the Jedi Order. You could dig deep into it, but it's just a chilling moment of Palpatine evil. Yeah, I, I just I love this picture of Palpatine of like he's the planner, but he's full of rage and he would mm-hmm. like to let it out. Right. And 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 E.K. Johnston always writes him in this way where he just he he treats himself to little moments. <laughs> but, but, and like yeah. mm-hmm. this just feels so petty of like, I know I can't burn down the Senate. <laughs> yeah. I can't overreact to uh, the the failure on the Naboo trauma sector thing here. Um, but I can, you know, just mess up your garden a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but here here's why I absolutely love it. You're right. It's these little, and in this book, he has these two moments, maybe even more. But there's two moments we, we've already discussed of of little of the and lightning's like coming out of his fingers. Like, like are you okay, Sheev? Are you okay? No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Your eyes twitching. Is that le- electricity? That all leads up to the absolute. It just I almost want to say joy, but Palpatine's joy of power, unlimited power. That is why it all comes out. He doesn't have to hide anymore. I know you've talked about it before, Joseph, just like the mask of good old Sheev is ripped off and he doesn't have to pretend to be that anymore. And so that that has more power to me by these little moments of him just like in his dark room electrocuting a statue because it's the only evil thing he can do. <laughs> and, he, and, yeah. and he's just simmering. He's simmering in this 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 dish of evil has been simmering on the stove for so long and he just wants to explode with rage. It's it's just so uh, ominous, right? To just to to feel like the beauty of a garden and something that you know is is carefully tended to to perpetually, uh, you know, bring life and peace. And he he kills it so it can mm. never exist again. It's just it, it's a great simple picture. And then it is it is also just like petty. It makes me laugh. And it, it it's I picture. Uh, when Yoda walks into his office in Revenge of the Sith and they're like finally confronting one another, he's like, Master Yoda. And like, I, I can imagine him going like, also, I bleeped up your guard. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. It's truly, it's truly so petty. It's just this little <laughs> petty thing. Yeah, so great. Uh, on to a more meaning, well, that, that's meaningful. Our it's jokes about yeah, uh, uh, the, the pettiness is, is, uh, is fun, but the actual beats quite meaningful and a risk for Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Um, but going ahead to page uh, 253, uh, there's a scene between Padme Bale and Mon Mothma kind of settling into it. Padme's already had this experience uh, uh, where she's had to kind of get involved in the front lines. And we learned that Mon Mothma is really like got a uh, always, always pacifism. And Padme kind of pushes back and says violence is needed sometimes. Aggressive negotiations, of course, you know, mm-hmm. great reference uh, to uh, Attack of the Clones and her relationship with Anakin, but also uh, great philosophy and great, uh, you know, for the whole trajectory of the rebellion in Mon Mothma. What did you think of that moment? Uh, I love it. I, and I put a pin, pin in that for something else I want to talk about a little bit later. But I love the interplay between them and, lo- and love Mothma and where she'll kind of end up. 
Uh, it, it, it made me think of uh, my good buddy, Admiratus running off to fight and her smiling in a, in a way. And it's not a, it's not her slipping back on anything. It's just in her being violent or that's not them being violent for just no reason, obviously. Um, I just love it. I love, I love what it says about them right then and, and what, it, what it will mean for them later on. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a great moment. And I think for me, one of those moments where, uh, you know, sad that we lost uh, some of those deleted scenes in Revenge of the Sith that sort of centered Padme as, you know, one of the uh, uh, architects of the rebellion. And this is one of those moments where you can kind of feel that, even though it's not directly starting the rebellion. It's like, yeah some of this will be necessary last thing i had on my list is i do just like the idea <laughs> when they're uh, uh when padme and sabi are, are having it out and padme mentions the massacre of the tuscans and Sabe's like that was anakin <laughs> yeah uh, it, that made me laugh it, it, it's a very very dark thing but i gotta be honest it made me laugh and i do like that that picture because it's been in other canon places that mm-hmm. like that was a big enough event on tatooine that was not isolated it didn't happen in a way or a place that nobody saw it or, or knew about it, that the Tuscans mm. uh, talk about it and that even across the planet, Salve has heard of that. I, I like that yeah. centering it that way in the story. Yeah, no, it's big and, and it's a purpose. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it's a what, certain point of view story has that right. With the, the Obi-Wan right. one yep. of just the Tuscans like, uh, some ghost struck there. We don't go there anymore. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That. And in some Tuscans believing in it had something to do with this homestead. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Do you have any other moments of canon or lore that you wrote down? There's one. I would never take credit for it. Uh, I, I read it and, and, and it didn't register, but our good buddy Alex, he never misses anything at Star Wars Explained. Uh, Anakin leaves his Jedi cloak in a ship, and that is the one that Jar Jar finds uh, in Bombad Jedi. Wow. So That's great. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, Bombad Jedi, I guess it just must be a favorite of E.K. Johnston's. Yes. Yeah, with the Anakin kind of Force stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. What a wonderful detail. Uh, all right, then let's, there's lots of other little things. I, I did not pick up that one, uh, but in the interest of keeping this reasonably length, uh, let's move on to questions or things that we wrestled with. Yeah. So I, I, I mentioned up top, so I just kind of remix a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I understand. I, I did take a, a stroll through those review gardens, as I said, which is uh, sometimes a uh, it's a palpating garden out there when you're looking at Star Wars reviews. And I, I understand a lot of fans out there um, felt that, you know, I don't know what they felt. I don't know. I can't speak for them, but I just can speak to what I, I, I spoke to up top, which is this. I wanted some what I thought was bigger answers. I wanted things from from Padme. I wanted to go into Revenge of the Sith, but this isn't that. It sets it up for that and it gives you great insight into that. And this is a smaller nature uh, a, a natured story here uh, and, and it's not different than anything that's uh, come before in this series i think i just was so the second book is is um you know the the, the queen's peril which goes you know back to phantom Menace. i just loved all that i love the, the way ek dealt with the stories around the corners and, and it really worked for me so i understand that there was a desire to fill just like a weight of of all the moments right and and that's fair. I, I get some of that, um, but they've just always been about this. It's always uh, how, how uh, insight. I love that. I love you describing it as this uh, becoming series. Um, it really is that. It's it's seeing the real person behind the titles, the positions, and the makeup. And, and these um, these books have always had to play with within some tighter canon corridors, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're, I mean, this one is you've got a, like a small window to tell the story, uh, and it's going to roll right into Brotherhood with Mike Chen, the next book up for us to read. And they kind of worked uh, on that together. And from what I was reading in the story notes there and everything, um, but they've always succeeded. These stories have always succeeded to me when they do that, when they when they 
play within those canon corridors, as I'm calling them. And and uh, there'll be some great details of the why of the wedding. Um, we've got to just as we got, here's what happened during the occupation, all that stuff. So uh, outside of, of the desire to know a little bit more of how and what, the why has always worked better for me with these books. And I just needed to, to get there on this particular one. And that was my journey. Yeah, no, I, I really agree with that. I, I think they are, you know, structured very, very differently. Like there, mm-hmm. there are plots, there are beginning, middle and end, but like, you know, we didn't even do an action section because there isn't a ton of action, no, right? Um, yeah. the, it, these are much more, let's go a little bit more internal. Let's take a picture of who, who these people are, who are the, the movers and shakers of events, you know, why do they feel that way? And I really love what you said of like, not just becoming, but who is the person behind the title, behind the makeup? That was mm-hmm. a, another moment that I really loved when um, when the handmaidens were looking at the window on Naboo mm-hmm. that had their their famous, uh, you know, orange uh, flame dresses. Yeah. And they had them on the window as icons. And that was great. But how many people who looked at those windows thought about what it was truly to be the woman underneath? Mm-hmm. the rope you know mm-hmm. and i think that is is to me in a lot of ways that is the heart of all three of these books in, in this trilogy uh so for anything that i wrestled with um i, I acknowledge some of the like yeah no it's, it, it doesn't have as much action as some star wars that they, they, they do uh don't have super super traditional narrative structure get all that uh but i really enjoy them for what they are the only thing <laughs> that I picked out that's a sub- subjective thing is there's a little passage where they talk about Anakin and Padme reapplying sunscreen on Naboo. Um, and that bumped me. He's like, look, if, if sunscreen is real in star Wars, how is that like not the major economy <laughs> on multiple planets? How are the pikes in Unkar Plutt not like trading in sunscreen? Like it's gold. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what Palpatine saw this a long time ago and he started uh, suppressing the sunscreen trade so that he wanted <laughs> the people on Jakku and Asana and, and, and Tatooine to uh, feel the effects of the suns. Just wrinkle in age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a small thing, but an honest thing that, that went well for me. <laughs> That's actually going to be the plot of Kenobi where sunscreen starts to come to Tatooine and, and Palpatine sends Vader and the Inquisitors to stop it because he wants <laughs> Kenobi to age faster. And get out of there. Yeah, I think we cracked it. We cracked the go. Kenobi case. There you go. Uh, do you have hopes then for the future uh, of these characters or this story? This is the end of the trilogy, but kind of, I think, a question mark that there could be more. Do you want more Padme books? And if so, what would you be interested in? Yes, I see no reason for EK to have to stop. The word trilogy is important to us Star Wars fans. Uh, throw it aside. I, you mentioned it. And this is what I've said. Put the pen of it. Give her the deleted seeds and subplots from the Revenge of the mm. Sith. Let her tell that part mm. of the story. Simple as that. I got no other things to the pitch. We can get to the other stuff. Maybe maybe I can finally get my uh, dream monologue, and t- internal monologue from Padme as she's dying. I don't know. I, I, I just think that, that Mothma scene made me think of that. Made me think of what, oh, just because already again, she's taking like the Attack of the Clones deleted scenes. We've seen those pop up with, uh, you know, the, the, the Naberi house and the dinner and mm-hmm. bringing the boyfriend home for the folks to meet. We, we, got, we got that stuff. Just give her the, those big meaty scenes with Mothma and Bale and all the other characters and Padme and the, and the formation, the rebellion, the debate on how to do it. Oh, my God, that'd be the best. I'd love that. I would love that. 
Uh, I so agree with that. I would really love kind of final days of Revenge of the Sith. You know, I, I'm fascinated by the 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 very end of her life, the the last moments. I, I can also see an argument that it is supposed to be some amount of ambiguous. Um, I think that's a real. You know, I understand that's something that a lot of Star Wars fans would have very strong opinions about. So even mm-hmm. if you didn't include anything on that, uh, I think a, a Revenge of the Sith book would uh, really fit into this kind of becoming theme of like becoming, you know, mm-hmm. uh, one of the architects of the rebellion without quite, you know, realizing that or or thinking about it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's so much in Revenge of the Sith that she could, that E.K. Johnson could work with of, uh, you know, when, when Padme asks Anakin, like, have you ever thought that, you know, we're becoming the thing that we swore to stop, yeah. you know? Mm. Uh, I think that, I think the character just deserves that, like, look, this is not right. It's been going on and on and on. I've had some, this war's going on and on and on. I've had some victories, but I've had a lot more setbacks. And uh, is this isn't wrapping up, but we're not going to, we're not going back to the Republic we talked about, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we, we got to act on this, you know? Yeah is a story I'd love to hear. Absolutely. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Would you like any of the other um, ideas or characters developed? A, a Baru and Shmi novel? <laughs> any other ideas you'd like to follow? Yeah, there's some some uh, great characters here. Uh, I think, you know, learning a little bit more, uh, we get this uh, new character sister that shows up. Uh, give, me, give me that. Uh, give me give me a short story. Give me something more of that uh, d- develop that story out. Uh, that'd be interesting here. Uh, I want to see that. But I, here's yes to all all these characters. <laughs> I think Baru and Shmi teaming up to create an underground railroad of sorts on Tatooine is a Disney Plus series. I need now. Like, yeah. sorry everyone, I want to go back to Tatooine. Give me that. <laughs> give me that. And this is why I say I don't necessarily need this in Kenobi. Uh, give give that give me that story uh, prior to all of this here. Uh, go go to that. Yeah, I would love that. It's a a Baru and in Shmi adventure, and and you know from from the the years from from Baru and Shmi meeting to uh, Baru happily accepting mm-hmm. uh, Shmi's grandson. Ah, mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, anything else that we have not talked about that you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, no, just uh, a, a, an interesting experience for me as a reader and uh, in, in, in a book that I was able to enjoy once I pulled back. And it's a, always a reminder. And I loved it. Yeah, I totally agree with you. A uh, bunch of other things that I would love to share because I love this book and my notes were extensive. But we are yeah. going to wrap up with a fun question uh, in the spirit of this uh, relationship between Padme and Sabe that has reunited all these books. Ken, if you had a best friend who looked exactly like you, would you switch places with them for parties or anything else? Uh, well, apparently I'm Tom Segura's double because anytime I go to the comedy store, people come up and start <laughs> talking to me as if I'm Tom, including Mark Marin recently. Uh, so I'd love to switch places with him on payday. Uh, uh, it's crazy how much that that happens. Um, if I had a double, I will be able to tell if you try to just get Tom Segura to do Force Center with me. I will be able to tell. You you you'll know. Trust me, you'll know. Yeah. Uh, if if I had a double, I'd switch them out when it's time to leave parties because I do like social events. I do like going. I just love leaving them even more. So <laughs> if I'm needed to be at a wedding reception past a certain time, the double can stay. I'm going to go home, put on sweatpants, and relax. That's a great answer. Mine is very direct and practical for right now. I've been trying to make time to go get new passport photos. Everything else I can do at <laughs> home from my computer. I just need to make time to go to 
bleep in Walgreens and get a passport photo. And man, if I had a double, I'd be like, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. I love that. Excellent. Uh, well, with that, Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? Absolutely. We are the Four Center Podcast feed. We can be found on Twitter at Four Center Pod. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Podcasts available on ACAST, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a lot more. Just search. You'll find us. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Four Center. Always looking for new patrons. And from there, you can get into our Discord to discuss Star Wars every day with Four Center friends. You can find me at Catnapsock or go to my website, catnapsock.com. Com, uh, where you can find information on upcoming shows. Big one June 4th at Doug Weston's Troubadour. Also one coming up locally now, looks in Burbank. Uh, but information will be on the website. I don't need to tell you here. You can just go there. Joseph, where can they go for you? Yeah, you can find me Twitter. Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out all my other comedy adventures on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, uh, for the legacy of Padme, this has been Four Center. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.